Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Welcome to this uh, special edition of Lung Cancer Voices, where I am in uh, Barcelona at the World Conference of Lung Cancer 2019. And in this episode, um, I'm joined by uh, a couple of medical oncologists who are going to give us their thoughts on what have been the real highlights of the meeting. And this is the conference which is held annually, which uh, really shows the, the newest and best of what's coming in lung cancer treatments. Uh, so I'm joined by uh, Dr. Tom John, who's a medical oncologist and senior clinical research fellow at the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Research Institute in Melbourne, Australia, and by Dr. Kevin Zhao, who's an adjunct professor at the University of Montreal and a medical oncologist at the, and here's me practicing my French, the Hôpital du Sacré-Cœur de Montréal. We'll start with you, uh, Dr. John. Welcome to the podcast, and um, over to you. What do you think is the... the the best thing you've seen in Barcelona this week at the conference. Uh, thank you, Paul. And you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here in, in Barcelona to discuss uh, some of the highlights of uh, of the meeting. Now, in terms of uh, when you say the best thing uh, uh, that uh, that happened uh, at the meeting, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that it was perhaps the best thing, but it was probably the most anticipated um, uh, piece of data uh, coming into the meeting in. A, a group of patients who have small cell lung cancer. So that represents you know, around 15% of uh, patients who have lung cancer. And um, this study looked at using uh, standard chemotherapy uh, with or without uh, the addition of an immune therapy called Devalumab, and that's a, a pdl one inhibitor. So you're referring now to the study they call the Caspian study. All those studies from Devalumab named after seas or oceans they are yeah. indeed yes exactly so the caspian study was uh, the big sort of headline act uh, coming into to world lung in in barcelona uh, and uh, it, it a very similar study uh, was performed and uh, was actually uh, read out at uh, world lung uh, in toronto last year and so you you may be uh, familiar with that study it was called empower um, and uh, that study uh, used a similar uh, immunotherapy agent. Uh, so the Caspian study was almost exactly the same in its design. It uh, added uh, uh, devalumab uh, to chemotherapy um, or placebo uh, to chemotherapy, and it showed almost exactly the same results. Um, we were uh, anticipating it because we knew that the study was positive uh, coming into uh, in, into World Lung. How, how did you know it was positive coming in? Uh, there was a press release that said that uh, uh, Caspian is positive. So, uh, so how positive? You said it was the same as the the, the Empower study we learned in Toronto. So chemo plus immunotherapy. Yeah. Is it better than chemo? How much? It, it is better than chemotherapy, and I I think it's a very uh, a very real uh, option uh, for patients with small cell lung cancer. So back when the Empower data was uh, was read out, uh, it was hailed as you know one of the only uh, breakthroughs in small cell lung cancer in over a decade. Uh, and so now we have two studies showing virtually exactly the same thing that there are a subset of patients with small cell lung cancer when you add uh, an immunotherapy to their chemotherapy who do uh, exceptionally well. 
and by that I mean that they, they do live longer. Um, I, you know, the, the, the average amount of time that they live uh, longer is, uh, you know, roughly around two months. Um, now, that may not seem like a lot, but when you think about uh, this particular t subtype of lung cancer, um, it's a very devastating disease and, uh, you know, m most patients die quite quickly within 12 months. So this is the first glimmer of hope that we can do something about this disease um, that might actually impact survival. So the average is two months, but there's a group there who are going to do a lot more than that. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly right. right. So maybe uh, we'll pass this over then. So Dr. Zhao, uh, you, uh, what are your thoughts? Was there a, a study that really leapt out to you as a big step forward? Well, as uh, I'm gonna probably switch complete tracks here um, to a subject I think that's a little bit closer to my heart and that's really more personalized medicine. And I think if, you know, we've had two revolutions in the last say five to 10 years for which one of them is the immunotherapy, which we can't deny it's been a revolution in terms of uh, being able to give hope to patients. But the other, I think, is I, where I think lung cancer will eventually go to, which is really being able to direct personalized treatments to patients, being able to say that there's not just one type of lung cancers, but there are many types of lung cancers. And this person, we should be treating differently than another. So I think uh, with the new tools that are coming out, we've been able to sort of identify and treat patients differently. Um, we had the story with the EGFR ALK and ROS1 lately, but uh, more recently. So you're leading up now to this new subtype that's been, I, we've kind of known about for we a year or two, yeah. but then, then yesterday in the meeting was a kind of a wow moment. It, it was a kind of a wow moment for me. It, so this, this new target that we're looking at is called RET, which we've sort of talked about, but we skirted around it more or less with, with a, over the last few years, just because we haven't had a good drug for these patients. It's, it's not a huge population. It's, it's less than, I, I believe, uh, 2% um, or so. And, and we've tried to target it with you know, conventional treatments and some of the older drugs that existed that gave somewhat okay responses with a lot of toxicities. Um, and so uh, this year, um, the trial called the Libretto trial, which uh, looked at a drug called LOXO-292, which they gave the name, the new name for which it, it escapes my memory. Um, but it, the, the new name, I, I can, I'll jump in, is it's selpercatinib. It's a I, bit of a mouthful. Yeah, which is why I probably didn't want to even try to mention it because I wouldn't make a fool of myself on my I'm, podcast. I'm better at drug names than I am in my French. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what, what the study showed um, was that we were able to introduce a new drug in, you know, at different levels, either in first-line or multi-treated patients, uh, and demonstrate impressive results. I, I think when we talk about any anything that's over 60 to 70% you know, positive results, um, responses, it for me shows that it's not only a target that's worthwhile targeting, it's, it's a drug that actually does its job uh, and, and enables us to personalize the treatment. What kind of drug is it? Is this, a, is this an injection or is it a pill? Or? It's a pill. It's a targeted therapy. It's a tyrosine kinase that works on different mechanisms in the cell. And what's specific about this drug compared to others is that it specifically targets RET, whereas all the others sort of targets it, but targets other things, and that's where you had a lot of the side effects. Um, and the other thing that it does, and it was able to 
um, sort of already take care of some of the resistance mechanisms that we were seeing with the other drugs. Um, and not only were th was there impressive responses in the majority of the patients, there was also uh, durable responses is what we want to see too. So selpicatinib, RET lung cancers, it's a pill, mm -hmm. it works in most people, it works for a reasonable amount of time, or quite a long time in fact. I think we were talking about upwards of 18 months to two years, which is extremely which impressive. Which is compared to what we've dealt with historically. Now, um, how would you know if you've got a RET cancer? So that dives into a, the bigger question now of how are we being able to identify patients? And I think uh, our traditional man uh, uh, ways of diagnosing lung cancer used to be just a pathologist who look under the microscopes and say, you have lung cancer, but now we know that's not sufficient. And with the, the history of EGFR and ALK and the technologies that are coming out, we know that we need to dig deeper and start doing molecular testing and next generation sequencing, which is not easy and not accessible everywhere. What is next generation sequencing? So next generation sequencing is basically uh, able to look at multiple genes within a cancer and being able to pull out s specific signatures which may be able to identify these cancers, uh, which would then lead to perhaps a drug that would be able to target that signature. Like the RET or the ALK or the EGFR? Exactly. Okay. I think that the, the Caspian study that, uh, that, that Dr. John mentioned and then the, the libretto seem to be the the ones that are trending most. Um, the, the, another study um, around the same time was the Violet study, the, the, the surgical study, and the, in a separate episode of this podcast, we, uh, I spoke to Professor Lim about that one. Um, aside from these big headline ones, I'm going to come back to, to Tom, and, and we'll just kind of go around the table. Was there any sort of other, other science that you saw? Because it's a huge meeting, and there's thousands and thousands of delegates, and there's tons of presentations. Look, there, there was, there's a, a lot of different uh, uh, data. I, the other immunotherapy uh, data that I, I think is, is, is interesting is, is to know, uh, is looking at longer-term follow-up of uh, patients with non-small cell lung cancer uh, being treated with immunotherapies. And, you know, we now know that there's a subset of patients that, uh, that live out to five years again. Um, we know this from... Uh, a pooled analysis of, uh, of two immunotherapy studies, as well as a, a very large phase one study called the, the Keynote 001 study. And in fact, if you have very high uh, levels of a marker called PDL1 and you receive a PDL1 or PD1 inhibitor up front, around 30% of people are alive at five years, which is just astounding unheard of yeah yeah it's astounding for uh, for, for for lung cancer and, so and we've probably all got patients now in our practice who are multi-year survivors from immunotherapy and it's i don't know how you find it i find it hugely encouraging when these people come back to my clinic for, oh, for checkups and it's it's not what we used to see absolutely it's it's brilliant it's uh, you know it's 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 a step in the right direction finally kevin you you're not down the immunotherapy track. You're going to talk about something else. I, I'm going to switch tracks just again and, and do a switch even from my initial uh, topic and to go something a bit even broader and more important, I think, even on the uh, public health uh, uh, level. And that's talk about screening, which I, I, I don't think it gets enough attention. And, and, and I don't know why, because it's going to impact patients on a much grander scale and I think one of the things that we want to be able to do is to be able to say to patients we can track your cancer before it actually becomes 
um, something that uh, will impact your life, you know, uh, on, uh, you know, either in the short or long term. And I think the this meeting, at least for me, shows that there's invested interest um, in different countries, including Canada, for which uh, one of the presentations uh, was from showing the power and of not just CT scans, so just you know the regular imaging to be able to detect uh, a certain population of smokers, um, which had already been proven to decrease cancer mortality, but also start using new tools. We talked about you know next generation sequencing and new tests. Well, we have now blood tests possible that can help. And I think now the question is to be able to integrate those two tools to be able to identify lung cancer patients before they become lung cancer patients, uh, being able to say we can cure you definitively before they, be they become patients will have to treat with immunotherapy or targeted therapy. I think the interest as a country, you know, when we're talking about Canada and our, our limited resources to be able to pay for drugs, if we get these patients before they even need them, I think we can make a much greater impact on survival and on the lives of these patients if we can get their cancer before it actually becomes metastatic. And, and Dr. Stephen Lamb, who's one of, like our, one of our medical Canadian heroes, uh, gave uh, a talk in the presidential session uh, on, a, on screening. And uh, actually, he's been a previous guest on Lung Cancer Voices where he, he kind of went through screening. And I, I agree with you, Kevin. That was, to me, you know, we know that at the moment, when people are diagnosed, half the time it's already stage four. And with screening, there's a, a real opportunity to to have uh, far more people at stage one and stage two, like you say. Which yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, as medical oncologists, oftentimes we see patients with metastatic cancer. We have to give them discussions on treatment options, and we always have to temper expectations because not all patients respond to the treatments that you give. But if we can get to a level before it becomes you know, the discussion on stage four lung cancer and say, you know, we have something we can treat and cure you up front now. Not only is it going to, you know, be a benefit to the patient, but I think as to, you know, the country as a whole, not just in, worldwide, I think also. I think the challenge obviously is going to be convincing governments, convincing hospitals, convincing doctors and patients to participate, uh, I think obviously this is an initiative that is going to it's going to take some effort and courage um, from all the stakeholders involved. But I, I believe that this is something that we have to put a lot of of, of money and and, and um, energy into because I think this is going to serve us much longer uh, and be more impactful. Great. Well, thank you both for uh, for joining me for this. It's it's, uh, it's been a great meeting. It's it's certainly nice to be in Barcelona. And um, uh, immunotherapy and all of these different disease types. Uh, look out for RET fusion uh, from the, the libretto study and, and this uh, uh, drug that we've been uh, uh, struggling to name, selmacatinib. Uh, um, um, Supercat is the way to, <laughs> super, to think about it. Supercat, there you go. So uh, now the challenge is, is us in, in, in Canada and Australia and most... Uh, yeah, public health care systems is now going to be to make sure that uh, uh, our patients have access to RET testing and then access to the drugs. Um, and we heard about the, the, the immunotherapy for small cell lung cancer where the, those applications for access have gone in and we're, we're waiting to uh, hopefully get approval soon. Thank you again for joining us. Lung Cancer Voices was made possible in part by a generous donation from Marielle and Nick Burris. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. 
Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan and on Twitter at LungCancer underscore can. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.